0: This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community, inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. And man, we are thrilled to see you here on this beautiful Easter Sunday morning. Thank you so much for being here. And especially if you are new today, we want to say a special welcome to you. And uh, we know it's not an easy thing to come to a new place and kind of navigate your way around and figure out where to go and do all those kinds of things. So thank you for being here with us today. Uh, As you walked in and you sat down, you had to move one of these Connect Cards in your seat. And I just want to encourage you to get that out today, whether you are new or you've been around many times before. Uh, The Connect Card is a very valuable tool we use here at Journey. Uh, On the back, there are all kinds of things you can uh, tell us about Uh, decisions that you've made, prayer requests, other pieces of information. Uh, So please take a moment and fill that out. If you're new, um, this is the best way for you to introduce yourself uh, to Journey Church. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And we'd like to send you a small gift in the mail. Uh, Thank you for being here uh, with us today. So if you would take a moment today and fill that out at the end of our um, time together, uh, some offering bags are going to go around and you can and take that card and just put it in the offering bag uh, as we dismiss later. With all that said, let me just pray for us and we'll get started. Lord God, we thank you for every person who is here. And God, we just ask that even now as we begin to open up your word and to discover what this day is all about, God, I pray That your spirit that is already here begins to stir and move in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it is Easter morning. Uh, The flowers are beginning to bloom. It's a day of celebration and joy. It's a day that we gather with smiles on our faces And as we do all of those kinds of things, it's important to remember as we look at our gospel story. It's important to remember that we don't uh, jump too quickly to the end. Because you know, for the first disciples, or for the disciples on that first Easter, joy and smiles was not what this day started with. In fact, it was met with dread and despair. Jesus, the one whom they loved, the one they followed for the last three years, the one that they were all in invested with, the one whom they had pinned so many of their hopes, was gone. He was dead. He was crucified. There's no question in their minds about that. I mention this because as joyous as this day is for so many of us, for some others, we might find ourselves just like some of those first disciples. Wondering what's next. Maybe you've had some hopes or some dreams that have been dashed. Maybe your heart is full, not so much with joy, but with pain. Maybe your minds are full of doubts rather than faith. In fact, that first Easter every person that uh, our resurrected Lord Jesus encounters is experiencing exactly those feelings. And one of the things that surprises me each time that I read the encounters Jesus has after he has resurrected, is that it is these broken hearted, Despair-filled people with doubts and disappointments that Jesus runs to first. And so today, if you are here because someone brought you, if you're here with some questions in your mind, if you're here and your heart doesn't have hope but sadness... The first thing I want you to know is you're not alone. In fact, you could take the place of any one of these first disciples that Jesus meets this first Easter. Because that's precisely how they felt. Today I want to read a, a, a rather long section of scripture. I want you just to try and take a moment and uh, just imagine the scene unfolding before you. I want to read from Luke chapter 24 where Jesus meets two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, the road out of town. I'm going to start, if you're going to follow along, like on a a Bible app or you brought a Bible with you this morning, I'm going to start in verse 1 and kind of read the first few verses to give us some context. And then I'm going to skip down to 13 and start where our story really starts. Luke chapter 4, I'm sorry, 24 verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took some spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb And when they got there They found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb And when they entered They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus And while they were wondering about this What had happened Suddenly two men in clothes That gleamed like lightning Stood beside them And in their fright, when they saw these men, the women, they bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He said, he is not here. He is risen. Skipping now down to verse 13. That same day. Two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, What are you talking about? What are you discussing as you walk together? One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth," they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and before all the people. The chief priests and our rulers, though, they handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one, the one who was going to redeem Israel What is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions, some of our friends, they went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. said to them how foolish you are you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken did not the christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory in beginning with moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself and they approached the village to which they were going and jesus asked or I'm sorry, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly. They said, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized who he was. And just like that, he was gone. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning with desire when he talked to us about the scriptures? And immediately they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem, running back, remember, in the dark. And there they found the 11 other disciples and those with them assembled together together they began saying, it is true. The Lord has risen. It's Easter. But the disciples don't realize it yet. They have no joy. They only have despair. Only the crushing disappointment of dashed dreams the funny thing about that first Easter, a day that for us has so much meaning with hope and joy, the springing forth of new life for those first disciples on that first Easter. None of those emotions were felt or even dreamed of the two disciples that we meet today. They're true followers of Jesus. They, they had heard his teachings. They had seen him do miracles. They were true believers. And then came the events of that terrible Friday. Jesus had been crucified. After his death, he was buried in a tomb. And although they had heard some rumors that the tomb was empty, they didn't know what that meant. They wouldn't believe wild stories. Because if there was one thing that the Romans, those who were in charge at the time, knew how to do, it was to kill someone. They could do it in any number of ways, but the worst way, the most painful, the most public, was to be crucified. They'd seen it. They'd seen the whips tear the flesh off of Jesus' back. They witnessed the exhausting and humiliating walk out of the city to the jeers and the taunts of the crowd. that heard the anguish in the screams as nails pierced nerves and broke bones in his hands and his feet. They saw the spear pierce his side, the blood pour out. They saw him take his last breath. There was no doubt in their minds. That the man that they loved, the man that they followed, was gone. He was dead. And their hopes and their dreams and all that they thought could be died with him. It was Sunday. It had been three days since those terrible events. There was nothing left to do. But to hang your head low... Wonder what might have been, but now never will be. And as they walked and they talked that day, they must have begun to reminisce of some of the things that Jesus did, like we would do after someone passes that we love. I wonder what stories they started to tell. Did they talk about the time where they were crowded in the house and there was the uh, friends who had a crippled friend and they couldn't get in to see Jesus and so they climbed up on top of the house and they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him right before Jesus and Jesus healed him right there on the spot. Or did they talk about the time where they were out uh, uh, past the city and there was crowds of people all around and Jesus was teaching them and they were amazed at all the things that he was saying. But then it started getting late, and people started getting hungry and they, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to get them food. And they found just like one man's lunch, just a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. And he prayed. He fed 5,000 people. And there was more afterwards. were leftovers they talk about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead friend of the disciples and then they wonder how could Jesus have raised Lazarus such a short time before that and then let himself be killed so quickly after As they went along, the stranger, Jesus, as we know him, came in, was beside them. But verse 16 says, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. How true that is of us sometimes. We have trouble recognizing Jesus. Are there not times when we look so much like these disciples struggling in pain, wandering, looking through life with doubts, wondering where God is? And all along he is right beside us. On they walked and talked and the stranger was listening intently. And then he finally, he breaks in and he says, what are you guys talking about? The question, it perplexes these two disciples. They said, are you new to the area? Have you not been in Jerusalem for a while? Do you not know about man named Jesus? Have you not heard? And so they tell him the story. And their words are this funny combination of love and grief, pride and sorrow, doubt and faith. He was such a good man. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. We know he was a prophet. But he ran into some trouble with the chief priests. We heard he was betrayed. They beat him until he couldn't stand. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him. Everything they said was in the past tense. Just like we would talk about someone who was gone from this life. They still loved They still believed the best that they could, but they could not square the events of the last couple of days with their faith that He was the Redeemer, the one they had been waiting for. They were disappointed disciples who felt their faith slipping away with every step on the road to Emmaus, and as these two disciples, as they pour out their hearts to Jesus, he listens patiently. And when they're finished pouring out their hearts, he begins to uh, speak. And the first thing he said is, "You fools." Which simply means that you didn't apply the knowledge you already have. And he goes on and he says, You're slow of heart, slow of heart to believe what the prophets have said. And then he goes on to explain all the ways that uh, Jesus and the Son of Man had been foretold in the Old Testament passages and scriptures. Tells them plainly that it was necessary for him to suffer and die on the cross. In what seemed like the ultimate miscarriage of justice, turns out to be the Father's plan to glorify his Son. Christ was no victim being led against his will to the cross. No one took his life. He laid it down for us. It was not an accident. It wasn't an accident. It was part of God's plan from the beginning. Verses 28 and 32. They paint this picture of Jesus after he's been walking and talking, explained all of this to them. Paints this picture of him sitting down and eating. And there's this one little phrase in verse 28 that we shouldn't overlook. It says Jesus acted as if he were going further, acted, pretended. It's a funny thought was Jesus trying to trick his disciples that can't be right was Jesus planning on leaving his disciples on this road of doubt that can't be either but he lets them think he is going to leave them behind so that they will invite him to stay Think about that for a moment. Our Lord sometimes seems to leave us so that we will ask Him to stay. He seems to leave us behind so that we will seek Him all the more. Those days when we feel alone and confused... Desperate and lost when he seems to leave us behind. It's God's plan to wean us away from the things of the world and bring us to the place where we say again, Oh Lord, it is you and only you that I seek. Know what happens next. He eats with them, and suddenly they recognize him, and just as quick he's gone. Why did he leave so quickly? The answer is he didn't leave at all. Leaving implies that he changed geography. But it's not as if Jesus moved to a different location. It simply means they could no longer visibly see him. It's the point of so much of the story. Christ is risen. And just because you don't see him, Jesus, just because you don't see Jesus doesn't mean he isn't there. Christ is risen. And just because you can't feel him doesn't mean He has left you. Jesus has risen, and just because you think you are alone doesn't mean he is no longer by your side. Where is Jesus when we need him? He is with us. That's the profound insight of this text. Because Jesus is alive. He's with us even when we don't know it. Because Jesus is alive. He is with us when we think that we are walking alone. Because Jesus is alive. And even when, and even when we have given up all hope, we discover that he was with us. When we needed him most. When you come to that conviction, that Jesus truly is alive and risen, everything changes. That's what happened to these disciples. At the end of our section today, verse 33, it says, immediately they got up and they went back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Even though it was late in the evening, remember they had walked seven miles to where they were going and they invite him to stay because the day's coming to an end. They turn around and they run back to Jerusalem in the dark. Everything they had run from and they come back with this message. It's true. He is risen. If Jesus is alive... There's no time to waste. If Jesus is alive, everything we believe is true. If Jesus is alive, then death has been defeated. If Jesus is alive, then heaven is more than a dream. If Jesus is alive, then our sins are forgiven. If Jesus is alive, then all his promises are true. If Jesus is alive, then we can never truly be Alone again. Where is Jesus when we need him most? He's with us because the tomb is empty. all of this points to Jesus final words to his disciples right before he ascends up into heaven and is found in Matthew chapter 28 verses verse 20 and it's a beautiful passage after he tells the disciples all that he wants them to do how he wants them to join him in his work of redeeming the world he says this i am with you always even to the end of the age. He is with us. Even when we don't recognize him. He is with us even though we can't find him. He is with us even when we are slow to believe. He is with us even when we see, he seems to be gone. He is gone from our sight so that he might be seen by our faith. I hope, I hope today that you believe that Jesus is risen. No matter where, though, you are in your faith journey. My prayer for this day, my prayer for all of you has been that we could all take one more step. We talk about what a couple of those might be today. Perhaps all of this is new for you. You're here because somebody brought you, someone invited you, and you're just, you're trying to figure it out. But today you feel a little bit like an outsider looking in. But maybe as we sang some songs and we heard this story of Jesus' resurrection, what it meant for these disciples, what it means for us today, something in you just stirred a little bit. And you wonder, could this be for me? Could God be speaking and working in my life? But you just need some more information. Let me just encourage you. We challenge you to join us as we start a brand new series next week called Outcasts. We're going to have it through the rest of the month, so for the next five weeks. And so many times uh, we get this picture of God, this wrong image of God that um, He is interested in those who have their lives together, everything kind of in the right place, and things are working out for them. And over the next five weeks, we're going to look at five different stories, five different ways where that's not who Jesus goes to, but he goes to the outcast. Goes to someone unexpected. Goes to someone like you and me. And so if you've been here today and you've felt something stir inside you and you, just, you need more to know about, I just want to challenge you. To commit right now, to coming back, to joining us for this new series. Or maybe for you today, faith isn't exactly a new thing. But you could probably point to some areas in your life where you feel like you're going it alone. It's certainly what the disciples felt this day on this road to Emmaus, right? We saw that. We uh, saw them in their anguish, in their pain. But then once they realized that Jesus had been with them, their perspective changed. Their attitude changed. Their heart changed. Their posture changed. What they did that day changed could that be you could you begin to see Jesus walking beside you in some area of life that you didn't see it before that you felt alone and isolated troubled despairing and could that realization could that change you like it did those disciples that Jesus is here with me? Could it change what you do and how you respond in your attitude in your heart and your perspective on that day? Could you take a little bit more of Easter resurrection faith into some area of your life? If you can, today, one of the things I think that you could do specifically is you could take your pen and you could name it could write it down on your um on your program you could just begin to pray even today god there's this area in my life and if i'm being really honest i feel like i'm going alone in it i feel just like those disciples did on that road out of town i want to pray that god i have the eyes to see that you are beside me with me because that's a promise you give us in Matthew 28 you'll be with us to the end of the age finally maybe some of you are here today and you like the disciples in our story your heart has been warmed feel God moving and stirring and you say, this is enough for me. I'm ready. I'm ready to cross that line of faith. I'm ready to jump all in with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to take a moment and uh, mark that, that you've made a decision to follow Jesus with your life on your connect card. I want you to join me in a prayer today. you pray with me? Dear God, it is Easter Sunday And with the disciples, we celebrate that death could not hold you back. We celebrate that the tomb is empty. We celebrate, God, that you are with us. And God, we know. We know that that means that we get to join you in what you do. In your scriptures, you tell us that To join in the faith, to cross the line of faith that we have to confess. We have to confess that we have sin, that we have these parts of our life that is broken and ugly and it's messing things up. And honestly, we can't fix it by ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make up for it. There's nothing we can do to make it better. We believe that just like it says in your scriptures that that's the stuff that you took to the cross for us. And you became the sacrifice, the way that we can be connected to a perfect and loving God. And so God, we confess that and we believe that just like it says in scripture that when we confess it, you are faithful to to forgive. And God, we invite you into our heart, to our life, to guide and direct us, to be with us from here on out. Thank you, God, for not staying in a tomb. Thank you for coming, living in me and in us. In your wonderful and powerful and risen name.